welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Okay, so I'm here with John Miller today uh, from the what we call the Developer Division team internally at Microsoft. So thank you for joining us today, uh, John. Thank you for having me. We've had a few people from your team on and... I kind of demanded that we get someone else from the team on so we didn't have to hear the same people again. So I appreciate you volunteering, volunteering to, to come on and talk about the Teams Toolkit for Visual Studio Code. I think it's a high demand area that's been around for a while now. And am I right in saying that it's V5 that you just announced in the last few weeks? Yes. A couple of days ago, we just released the latest version, which is version five of the Teams Toolkit for Visual Studio Code. And that also includes um, some updates to our SDK and our CLI tooling. And soon we will have um, an update to our extension in Visual Studio as well. Oh, that's awesome. So you are kind of keeping those in, in parallel with, with whichever ID they're using. Yes, uh, we have some um, more to gain there and, and to get a little closer to getting things in the same cycle. But we are working to catch the Visual Studio extension up to where the rest of the tooling is. So for those that haven't listened to people like Piers come on the show before and talk about Teams Toolkit, what is the Teams Toolkit and why would a developer uh, use it? Yeah, so the Toolkit is a suite of uh, dev tools for creating apps that run in Teams, Outlook, and M365 app. And they include project templates, some tooling to help with automation of setup and configuration across the platform, uh, scaffolding options, and a set of like best practices for creating your CI CD environment. And then we have the CLI tool to help partner with that. Um, and the idea is to give developers a one place that they can create, build, and ultimately ship their apps um, end to end. That's really cool. I think one of the things to in the evolution of the toolkit over time is, although it's the Teams toolkit, as in the Microsoft Teams product, um, there are other, I guess, ostensibly points within other products within Microsoft 365 that are now part of the toolkit, right? Yeah. So th this is always a fun conversation because we're in a we're in an, um, an interesting place right now where we've started with the toolkit. It's called Teams Toolkit. But as the platform has been growing and we see things like Outlook and the M365 app start to adopt the, the manifest um, and we have this new unified manifest where you can really say how your app extends all of those areas, then uh, the scope of our tools have started to expand as well to give developers that flexibility. So if they're creating a Teams app, maybe you might start with a Teams app, but then maybe you want to also expand that experience into Outlook or M365 app, and you can do that pretty seamlessly. So our tools are starting to support that as well. So you'll be able to run what, what feels like a cross-platform experience. Yeah, we had a show just recently on the I guess the philosophy of why we're doing that and the fact that, you know, Outlook Gidens can now be part of that manifest that you deploy and have one store item or one siloed app in your environment that includes not just a Teams app with things like bots, but also Outlook add-ins as task panes and ribbons in Outlook and, you know, showing up in the M365 app as well. So it's really good to see like one tool to rule them all. Like I've been in this space for a long time and back in the day there were you know, different toolings in Visual Studio for building SharePoint apps and there were Outlook apps and Word apps. And um, it's great to see that we're 
kind of consolidating that under one tooling inside of Visual Studio Code and Visual Studio. So um, yeah, it's great to hear. V5, I mean, it's a few years now since this has been all available. I started reading the blog post the other day and I, I noticed there were some pretty big call outs from things that I've heard from speaking to both enterprise developers that have used it and kind of software companies that have been building apps for the store. What's your favorite thing in the new release? I noticed you helped write the blog post. So I'm assuming you've got like all of the features in your head, but is there one that's close and near and dear to you that you've worked on or you just think is like, you know, drop the mic moment for this version of the toolkit? Personally, my favorite thing um, that is available now in the new release is the way that we've separated and exposed really the automation that the toolkit does. And this really addresses the feedback um, from developers that previous versions of the toolkit were uh, magical. And while it was great for a proof of concept or getting started, and when they were trying to take that same proof of concept into production, they needed to customize a lot. And it was really difficult to find out like what exactly is the toolkit doing? Uh, where are these resources created? There's like a lot of things you have to set up uh, to get a bot running or to get a tab set up um, across the platform. So all of those things were automated for you in the toolkit, which was great. But now we have basically created our, in a way, like a, a task runner um, way that you can compose these tasks and you can express them in a YAML file. And so you can see each instruction and you can customize that. One, other, one additional piece of that is you, that means you can customize things like, well, what does it, you know, where is it creating my app registration and where is it saving that app ID? Or where is it configuring my tunneling URL and how is it creating that tunneling URL? And so we have exposed all of that in configurable ways and given you good defaults and conventions so you can just press F5 or you know, start debugging and get going um, without having to do anything to set things up. But then when you do need to customize them, you can dig in there and you can check out the documentation um, or you can read through the files and um, hopefully get a good sense of, okay, I see what's happening. Here's how I can customize this. Uh, things are just saved as environment variables now. Um, so there's a lot less like tooling specific or domain specific knowledge that you need to learn. So we've kind of leveraged just, I think, better defaults and uh, tried to meet expectations. And, and I can imagine, again, if I remember the days of working in with the various software companies I worked for that were building apps. Some of the biggest things were kind of the continuous integration, continuous deployment side of the house, which was like, I got five developers working on this thing and they've got their own tenants. They've got their own Azure directories and therefore they have their own app IDs and they have their own Teams app IDs because they're in different environments. Does that mean now that when I'm committing files, I'm not, I've got my own environment files for me as a developer versus other people in my team. Like, is that where this is like leading to now? Yeah, exactly that. Um, so by default, our project templates give you kind of two opinions. One is a set of environment files, which are just ENV files in the project uh, for what we call like running locally, which that means like really running your web app locally. There's still things that have to be configured in the cloud. Uh, like the app registration. And if you're doing a bot, like there's a bot service registration um, for that thing, so or the communication between the platforms. So that stuff still has to happen remotely, um, but your actual web app can still run locally. So we have an environment to help you manage that as a developer. And then that's something that you could iterate on. You can use your own identity. So if you wanna use 
uh, an M365 developer program account to run in your own tenant and dev on. And then the other opinion we give you by default is what we, I think by the default it's called dev. And the idea is that this is just a representation of, of a remotely hosted environment. So that might be something like that you would collaborate on. And this you could configure in a different tenant if you wanted to. So a different organization, different teams environment where maybe you have a, a team of people working. Maybe that is like your your actual production teams and tenant, but um, you might be putting that app in a certain channel or something that is, you know, not really rolling it out or you haven't published it yet. So, and then you can create whatever you want from there. You just create new NV, NV configurations. Um, the, the tools can help you do that, but it's really just file-based. So it's very simple to just create some new NV files, name them whatever you want. And then the tools help you um, express, like, what do I do for that environment? Um, do I want to use an existing resource ID or do I want the tools to automate the creation of something like a bot registration or an Azure AD registration for this app? And then if, if we do automate the creation of it, where do I save, you know, what it created so I can see like and, and reference the IDs and variables and things like that. So you have flexibility now, whether you want the tools to help you create the things or you want to bring existing resource IDs and resource groups and things like that, maybe that another team created or that you don't have permission to create um, as a developer. And maybe you have an, an IT team that has to create those things. That's the type of feedback we've got is like, hey, you know, I can't, I can't create stuff in Azure. Uh, I can't create these AAD apps as a developer. I have to, I'm given um, the IDs and resource groups and things like that. So it's much simpler now to, to still use the tools for the developer experience, but consume other resources. Oh, I'm really glad you've got to that because yeah, you're right. Like some of these things, they demo really well. And, you know, and I list it well, where you've got full control of everything, but in these environments and enterprises or even software companies where they have shared tenants for their development teams, you know, they need that flexibility to be able to do that. So that's awesome. You, you mentioned task runners. Can you talk a little bit more about that in the YAML files? So by default, you have kind of standard YAML templates. Is that where, how I would think about it, but then they can customize them for their own flows. Is that how that works? Yeah, similar to that. So the way the way the tools um, have changed is previously we had a hidden folder in the project directory. It was called an, it was called FX, and inside of there was all sorts of different configuration files that told the tools what to do and where to do it and what state it was and saved it. And it, as a developer, you would really have to go into that and, and muck around if you wanted to customize things. And it was uh, it was quite complicated. And it, we really never intended for developers to edit those things. But when we learned the flexibility they needed and based on their feedback, it was like, okay, you really do have to go in there. So to make it simpler, we stripped all of that out. So the FX folder is completely gone. All of those JSON files, configuration stuff that was unique to the toolkit is all gone. And instead, we've we've created a way for you to express it with just YAML. Uh, so inside uh, the root of your you know, app directory, you would have a, a file called teamsapp.yaml. And this file has its own kind of uh, language. It, lo it looks just like a GitHub Actions file. So if you imagine how that works, or like a DevOps pipeline thing, that's kind of what we've modeled it after. So we have a, a bunch of pre-made actions, uh, you know, borrows the terminology like GitHub Actions. And they do things like create a Teams app or create an AAD app or create a bot registration or deploy these infrastructure templates to Azure um, and et cetera. Validate the Teams manifest, uh, stuff like this. All, the, all of the tasks that we recognize are 
somewhat repetitive and also uh, tedious that are required for development um, on the platform. And we've wrapped them in these automation tasks and then you can express them in the YAML file and customize them as you needed. So then you can do it uh, one, you have one uh, for customizing your local setup. So that's teamsapp.local.yaml. Um, you don't have to have that if you don't want to, but that's how you can customize like, hey, when I'm running locally, maybe I, I don't want to publish to the Teams portal, right? I don't want to automate that. Um, we also have the option like, if you're running locally, you might want to create a registration differently, or, or maybe you want to have a different name for the app. So it's a totally different app registration. So you can separate like, this is my developer app, or this is my staging app, and this is my beta app or something like that. So you have this flexibility um, to go through there. And, and then you have an, um, a separate YAML file for all your remote environments. And then all the replaceable kind of IDs and names and things like that can all be handled with environment files. And the tooling will parse those files and replace things, you know, depending on how you express it. And um, you're given control um, on the different stages of uh, what you want to do. And we've expressed an opinion on, th on three different stages. So we have this uh, idea that there's a provision stage. We call it life cycles in the toolkit. So there's like a provision life cycle. And this is where you want to create resources and stuff. And then we have another opinion for a lifecycle called deploy. That is something you would probably want to do more often, maybe even in CI/CD environment. And you can customize what happens in there. And then we have a third that we call publish. And that's like, I want to validate the manifest. I want to catch any um, errors that might happen during publish and report them out. Maybe I want to you know, fail my CI/CD task if, that, if, there, if there's validation problems. Um, and then we also have actions that will let you publish directly to the either the team store or to your tenant, depending on what type of app you're building. And those actions, is that is that calling the CLI under the covers that you have you've updated to? Is that how that works? The way it works right now is we have a, a shared library that the, the toolkit um, extensions use and that the CLI uses. So it doesn't technically call the CLI. Um, there's, a, there's a core library there shared between them, but they all work the same way. So the CLI will call that same library as well. So you don't have to have the CLI installed to use the extension, but you can, so you can use them like independently. And I'm going to pull on a yarn there. You mentioned tunneling URLs as part of that. Um, in the blog post, you, you talk about Visual Studio dev tunnels. And I'd heard that we were looking into this a while ago. Um, up till now, NGROC has been the way that people have been kind of handling extension apps running in the cloud and pointing back to your code locally. What was the reason that we decided to use the Visual Studio DevTunnels um, product instead? What, what feedback drove that decision? Yeah, so you can still use whatever tunneling solution you'd like, um, but the feedback we got is that a lot of enterprises just strictly were not allowed to use certain tunneling tools. Um, and, or for one reason or another, and they needed different flexibility. They, one, they needed to be able to define and customize like what the URLs were for these areas. Oftentimes it's needed for it to be a tunnel. Um, but we, we saw devs were using other solutions like um, there's some other open source projects. Maybe they've set up their own Azure Relay for these things, or they had uh, created their own systems. And so we, first we started with how do we expose the endpoints so that way our tooling can still automate whenever that changes. So we started with that and that's that's all done with, um, if you're using VS Code, it's done with 
a task.json's file. So we have a task in there so you can set up debugging. But um, it also uses the YAML file. So the flexibility is between the two to set up debugging. And then the next step was, hey, we have this great product with uh, GitHub code spaces and VS dev tunnels that solve a lot of the same problems. Why don't we give developers building Teams apps the same solution? And so we partnered with that team. And so now we have, by default, you can just press F5 as soon as you create a project with the toolkit and the tunneling is all handled for you using those features. Um, so there's no more need to, to have a, like a, a dependency if you don't need it. So you can just take what you have. But if you do need it, you can always uh, customize it. That's I think that's, that's a great thing is just let devs do whatever they want with the tools they're familiar with. That's really what we're trying to provide. Yeah, I, I love the fact we're providing that choice rather than being too opinionated with the tooling because I know from previous times we've done this with other tooling in Visual Studio, we've been very opinionated. And so I just love the fact that you've gone this way of bring whatever you want. Like it's going to be able to use this thing and accelerate your development in Teams and Outlook and M365 apps, which is cool. Yeah, we're trying to give a good set of defaults and, and you know, folks that are new to the platform, um, there's a lot of choices and you can go through and there's just so many different ways to create these things. And so the toolkit is in the toolkit, we do express some opinions. Um, but in the past, we went a little too far in the direction of like, here's our opinion and you need to use it or else you can't use the tools. And so all that did was was hurt. And then folks are like, okay, well, I can't use tools then. And so that isn't gonna, that is not helping anyone. So we, you know, need to give flexibility to the developer. So it's really the feedback cycle. And, and our team is very open to hearing all the problems and challenges. And if, if devs say like, hey, this isn't gonna work, then we're very receptive to that. So that, that's exactly what you see in version five is we've just been iterating on that feedback for, for what feels like close to a year. Um, and we've had uh, three or four different pre-releases in that time. Uh, to gather feedback and give devs a chance to try things. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. The cost sensitivity as well, and I remember having to buy NGROP Premium to do the, having a dedicated URL rather than it being a local host with a, a port number for a variety of different reasons. Does the dev tunnels give you that kind of support as well? Like it, And is it free as well, I guess, is the other question? I'm, I'm not actually sure if... It does, but when I look, I was actually looking at this yesterday, and I'm pretty sure that you DevTunnels does support creating a like static URL. You can create something persistent, but I need to go look in to see if our tools support that. Uh, yeah, and if it doesn't, we definitely will. Um, Makes sense for devs to, to need that. But this is the first release with the support of that, so I think it'll be something that we can definitely do. You know, fast following, um, especially if we get a lot of feedback on it. But it seems to make sense. You know, we, we want to support whatever DevTunnels does. So I think by default, the way our tools are configured now to use DevTunnels is we will create a new URL every time that you start a debugging session and we'll automate, we'll automate the setup of making sure like all the endpoints are configured to use that new URL. So if you wanna create a persistent one because you wanna use that somewhere else outside of the tools, uh, that's a scenario that we'll have to work to support. Yeah, that's awesome. In addition to that, like you've already mentioned and we've talked about in the show before around the manifest now supporting Outlook add-ins, I guess this is near and dear to my heart because 10 years ago now, my gosh, is it really that long? Must be. Um, I built the initial version of the Yeoman generator that was used to build an office add-in manifest. And um, so you could use Visual Studio code and not need the Visual Studio IDE with the uh, office add-ins 
tooling support. Is this an evolution of that? Like, it, Because I guess you're using different provisioning things here. You're probably not using Yeoman generators under the covers to do all this anymore in Visual Studio Code, right? No, not anymore. What we've done is we've worked with that team uh, that has been working on the Outlook add-ins tooling and uh, that whole ecosystem. And like I mentioned earlier, as we see the platform start to adopt this unified manifest and how you can extend these apps, well, part of that is part of that manifest unification has been able to um, introduce extending Outlook and other office areas. So we've worked with that team to take like the latest versions of the scaffolds, including those updates and, and, and put them in the Teams Toolkit into our scaffolding engine. So now you can create Outlook add-ins directly from Teams Toolkit. And then uh, today, I think well, we had some preview cycles of that. We still will interop with some of the tooling um, like for debugging and things like that. But I think you'll slowly see that to start to be unified. So there'll be, there'll be less need to decide like, okay, well, which do I use? And the idea, like I mentioned before, is we want to give the devs a simpler choice on getting started with any of these areas. And it's like, if I want to build this, then you know I can go to the toolkit and I can create it um, and not have to jump to a different bunch of different places. Yeah, and I noticed it, it. You know, it does the hot reload on the debugging for Outlook uh, Windows and uh, Outlook for Windows. I have to get that right because we call it a code name internally, which I can't use externally. But so you can literally F5 on that project when you've scaffolded it up um, and change the code and see that change in the task pane on the ribbon actions or all the different goodness that you get in extending Outlook there, which is awesome. I, I noticed you also have like, it'll scaffold up a new sample that kind of shows you how one app can be both in an Outlook add-in and a Teams tab, which is pretty neat as well. Um, so you're kind of, you're really hand-holding people through kind of getting all going and like hello worlding straight there. Yeah, that's pretty cool how you can have a single project and have um, one manifest, um, which is really the way that you extend all of these platforms is there's, you know, there was an XML manifest for these add-ins, there's a JSON manifest for these other areas. Um, and now we have a single unified manifest that you can express all the different ways you want to extend any of these areas. Um, you can have a single one of those and then your implementation, you know, can start to be shared. Um, so. As, as we work with that team on what that developer experience looks like, I think we'll, it'll only get better in that today things still feels slightly separated. Um, it's like, a, a, how do I implement um, a page in, in Teams, but also maybe a ribbon extension? So there's like some overlap and some parity differences here. And so all of that is being um, worked on and, and figured out. So I think some of these rough edges you might experience um, on the platform right now, they're being smoothed over. And the samples are our way to help developers see like, how can I do this now? And then we'll, we'll continue to improve. Yeah, that's really neat. And I did notice as well, the, uh, the SharePoint framework is there too. So if you wanted to build a, a web part or a Teams tab that's running as a SPFX web part, those things are all in there as well. So there's even more convergence for people that, I mean, a lot of the audience is SharePoint developers evolving into Teams developers and Outlook add-in developers evolving into Teams developers and so forth. So it's great that we're bringing those tooling, tool chains together as well. Yeah, I mean, how could we forget about SharePoint? And this is something I've been very excited to learn more about. And there's so many people uh, in the team who 
and the, and the teams we work with that know so much more about this. And I'm, I'm constantly surprised with like, oh, you can do that in SharePoint. And like, that's exactly what I've been looking for. So we've gotten a lot of great feedback. There's a lot of developers that are using SharePoint and it's been around for a long time. So it, it only makes sense. And so the, there's a lot of opportunity for us to partner more with that team and figure out what exactly does it look like. And this is not an area I have expertise in. So I, I you know, this is where the collaboration between our teams is excellent. And we can learn what exactly do SharePoint developers need, uh, what makes sense. And so all of the stuff that you've seen um, in the blog post and the, the features that we've been adding are all from feedback from uh, teams that we work with and developers that are using the tools. Um, so we'd love to hear more. And the, the same thing is true for like SharePoint, Office add-in developers and .NET developers. You know, if, if you're a developer that's trying to build for M365, we want to be able to support you. So we're constantly learning what makes sense there. And my most exciting thing, which I'm guessing is going to make for a great demo on stage, is the GitHub code spaces support. And just in the blog post, you've, you've written a bit about it. But can you just explain what that actually means? Because people might not be familiar with GitHub code spaces. Um, and then how you kind of can you leverage that with this Teams toolkit as well? That seems like a really neat way of getting going. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, I'm probably not the best to explain code spaces, but here's here's how I look at it. If you want to get started uh, with the tools, GitHub, the support for GitHub code spaces is really neat because you can basically go to a sample in our sample repository on GitHub, click a button, which is opening GitHub code spaces, and it launches a new tab, um, which opens up a code spaces, which is like a dev container um, and VS code in the browser and installs our extension for you and opens up that sample code from that repository. And you haven't had to install anything locally. So with the tools, all you'll have to do then is sign in with your M365 account, wherever you want to run this app. And then you can just click start debugging or you know F5 from VS code running in the browser as part of code spaces and test out samples, or you can even develop your app that way if you want. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We've come a long way, I'm definitely showing my age here, but like of duct taping hard drives to laptops to run VMs to be able to build SharePoint apps and uh, Outlook apps because you needed everything running on your own machine to this cloud-based development where even the IDE is in, in a browser as well, which is amazing. You've mentioned a lot about the uh, getting feedback where are the best places for people to go if they're using the toolkit uh, where you're watching and obviously clearly listening because all these features seem very much about uh, what feedback you've had already. Where, where's the best places for people to go to see what other feedback people have um, given or you know they want to provide as well? Yeah, the best place is our GitHub repository. So the, m almost the entire project is open source. And that is, I think the repo is, you know, github.com. It's under the office dev org and the project is called Teams FX. And in that repo, if you want to share feedback, just create an issue or browse through the issues. This is a good place. Our team is triages that daily. The other place, if you have, uh, maybe you want to have different type of discussion or you want to reach the team in a different way, we have a distribution group set up. So an email group for us, it's TTK feedback at microsoft.com. So you can use that and that will email our, our team. 
And these are really the two primary ways that we get feedback. There's also a survey that pops up in the toolkit. You can take that survey, which we do read and we do respond. If you share your information in there, um, like an email address, then we will reach out to you. And it's usually, it, oftentimes it's me. Um, I read I read every comment that comes through there. And if, if someone leaves your email address, I will message you immediately and say, hey, thanks for your feedback on whatever you sent me and either help you troubleshoot it or if it's more like you want to have a conversation, I'll set up some time. So I try to make my calendar pretty available uh, to hear from developers um, and adjust my time zones, you know, to account for that. So love to get feedback and have conversations, whatever it's about. Yeah, that's cool. And your GitHub handle is epic, the real John. Yeah. <laughs> is there, there must be a story behind that. Come on. Yeah, I, I created that a while ago. I was actually surprised to get it. Um, it's this running joke between me and my stepfather, whose name is also John. And uh, he's obviously older than me. So we always had this joke of like, he would always tell me like, well, I'm the real John because I was born before you. So then, uh, <laughs> you know, being kind of nerdy myself, I, I went and created all these usernames and domains and everything as my kind of retaliation of, I claim the internet space that, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I'm, I'm in fact real John. Here's proof, you see? And I was like, for a while I had all these things like that. And that's that's one of the few um, internet like uh, artifacts I still have that has that little moniker. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. The one up. I do really appreciate you coming on. And um, I wanted to call out one other thing, um, which was the Hack Together event. Um, so there was a Hack Together event just recently where dev advocates and many of the PMs uh, were involved in helping people as they were hacking together things to um, on our uh, platform. And I actually interviewed uh, some of those folks as part of episodes in the podcast as well. But there's another event coming up on the, the 1st to the 15th of June uh, with prizes. The, the link I'll put in the show notes, but for those that are near a keyboard, it's aka.ms slash hack dash together dash teams. Uh, there's some awesome prizes. There's live uh, streaming events that are going on and the ability, as I say, to connect with um, Microsoft experts internally to get help on like the cool ideas you're coming up with. And um, I wasn't a judge on the last one, but I did look at a lot of the submissions. I was really amazed at what people came up with. It's just really innovative ideas. And um, the community is great. Like, There's lots of ways you can get involved there. Um, and obviously, you know, you can use the Teams call tip toolkit to to build those hacks and and get those things shipped in the store so um yeah and I'm, I'm assuming have you been involved in that john in the past i haven't been involved in any of these bef um in the past um other than like looking at submissions and and sometimes participating but in in this one i will be involved so you'll if, if you do join you'll see my face um i'll be uh, presenting um i have some sessions i'll be probably part of judging um, so I'm very involved in, in the upcoming event. I'm super excited uh, for it and, and hope that you can join. So, and, and you don't have to use the tools, um, but if you do use the tools and you, um, you have any feedback during that, uh, you know, please let me know. Well, that's great. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today, John, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And, and I am excited to see what the next uh, major version of the toolkit uh, brings for everyone that's building tools on M365. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at m365devpodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 